You know, we live in a crazy world right now. It feels that way. <laughs> it feels like, man, this is just falling apart. You know, we have little mini revolutions, revolt going on in Russia, war in Ukraine, and crazy things in our government and things like that. And you just, it's easy to just say, man, what is going on? What is, what is all this uh, thing seemingly falling apart? The things that used to bind us now divide us and separate us. Have you heard the uh, idiom maybe uh, that says the, the tie that binds? Have you heard that before? The tie, the tie that binds. Uh, it's a, maybe some of you have heard of that. It, uh, it's been around for a long time. Uh, but you've got to realize where it started from. It's now just say poetry or, or, or in literature or something or maybe in, even in a conversation. But where it started was a long time ago, it was about uh, uh, 1772, there was a, uh, a minister who, uh, named John Fawcett. And John Fawcett pastored this small little church in England. And he had a growing family with a very small income. <laughs> you, ever, you ever deal with that? <laughs> Come on, you don't know faith until you have to raise a family on... Um, I remember one time Lisa and I said, oh, told me, she said, okay, well, we got $15 in the bank, $15. So we, this is how it's got to go before one of us gets paid, you know. And, and so this is where he was. He got offered a huge uh, new job pastoring a, a, another great church, but it was very, very large, offered him a huge salary and such, especially for, you know, 1772. And and so he said, you know what, I feel like I feel like I should do that. So he accepted the job. He takes the job. And then as he gets closer to leave his little church, now his little church loved him and thought, man, that's awesome, that's great. I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you know, we hate losing you, but uh, we understand. But as he got closer and closer, all of a sudden God started to deal with him and he thought, you know what, I, I, I just can't do this. So he actually called the other church and said, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. So the church... Through a big, had a big celebration, the church where he stayed, small church, had a big celebration, a Sunday celebration for the pastor staying. And in that time, as he was uh, preparing for this great little celebration where you know, he was going to stay, uh, God moved on him and he wrote a hymn. And this is the hymn that he wrote. It's the first line, let me just give you the first line. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. And he goes on, and it's a, it's a song, maybe some of you have heard of it before. It goes on, it talks about you know, fellowship and connection and what holds us together, what holds a church together, what holds a, a godly family together, what holds things together, even when everything seems to be falling apart, is something bigger than we re, what we realize. And that's what he first wrote down. So he first put those words in there, and then the world takes it and does what they want with it. But it always started as a spiritual thought. It always started as a spiritual principle that if we're going to be connected, if we're really going to understand what holds us together, it's going to be something so much more than what we think. Colossians 1.17, I love this. It says, Jesus is above all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is holding everything together. He's holding you together right now. There is a force, the scientists know it's in there, they're not quite sure what it is, that holds everything together. 
that if this force somehow went away in your body, you would just <laughs> fall down into, you know, like what you do sometimes when you get home from work. <laughs> just, fall, just fall all apart. Something is holding us together. Jesus is holding us together. Jesus is the one that holds all things. Before anything was, God was. Jesus was. And he holding all this world and everything around it. Even if we look and say, man, this is crazy and this is wrong and that's just backwards and that's... Jesus is holding all things together. And he's doing that for you in your life. And he's not only doing it for you in your life, but he's holding you with everyone else. He's holding us together. He's, he's putting us together. Do you believe that? You see, that's where we have to start this morning, is do you believe that Jesus is really holding all things and that the power of God can hold your life together, your family together, your finances together. Somebody ought to say amen there. <laughs> you know, your, your, everything that's going on, can, can God really do that? Can he hold all things to do that? Because, you know, sometimes we feel like, and you maybe even hear that, I'm barely hanging on. <laughs> Man, I'm barely hanging on. I got this string going, this string going. Like I got 10 strings into, in, in, into 12 fingers or the other way around. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I'm just barely holding on. Do you ever feel like you just everything's just slipping through? One area of your life or what's going on? How can we stand strong? And I want to focus this morning, just something God has been stirring in my heart all week, about how, what is the tie that holds us together, especially, especially as a family, your family, whatever that family is, whatever that makes up that family, your family, our family, this church family, what is it that holds us together? What is it that, that brings a bind that even when it's like, <clears throat> my family is falling apart, well, how can I do this? How can I move on with God? So this morning, I want to talk about the strong tie that binds the family. The strong tie that binds your family. There is a tie that binds your family. There is a tie. We sort of got away from it. <laughs> we sort of got away from what, what, what is going on. I, I, I love the saying that uh, God put in my heart a long time ago, let work be crazy. Let crisis abound. I'm okay if my family is bound. Do you hear what I said? Let work be crazy, let crisis abound, but I'm okay if I get home and my family's okay. If I get home, and the, the opposite is, uh, is true. The opposite is true, is that sometimes we, we think, wow, you know, I, I, work's going okay like that, but when the, you go home and your family's not good, <laughs> when you go home and it's like, oh man, there's tension here with the husband, the wife, the kids, the grandparents, whatever, you know, the extended family, all these type of things go on. God is good. God is able in, 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 in the midst of all that. When work is crazy in your life and things are going nuts, what is it that holds you together? What is it that holds you as a family, as a church together? What is it that holds your family together? What can God do? Let's move on to the, to the next one. Next thought that, that I feel like is important to, for us to understand. Jared, flip that one more time. Are we stuck? Say it again. Everything's frozen. We're set for this. Help me out. There's a podium right over here. Because God's word will go on no matter what. <laughs> because I can, just, I can just talk for the next 45 minutes. See, that's the problem. If I don't have notes, no telling when I'll start. Keep going. One more time. There is a podium right there. And uh, see, that's just the devil <laughs> in the electronics. Axel coming in at the club. Come on, Axel. 
You're awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. We're going to do this. Um, I just thought Jared had fallen, absolutely had fallen asleep back there. I wasn't so sure. That's not fair. He's not, he's not really good. Uh, uh, let's, let's do this. Let's do uh, 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. I love this verse. Probably you've never seen it before, but it's such a great verse. 3 John, 3 John, you think it's 3 John. Get to the very end of the Bible. And then there's this crazy revelation. Just go one book back and you'll find 3 John. 3 John chapter 1 verse 4 says, I have no greater joy. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are willing or walking in the truth. Now, he's obviously talking about more than just his immediate family. But this is a principle that I think we, we find. There is no greater joy, there is no greater peace, there is no great, greater thing that you go, wow, this is great, than when we know that God is holding all things together, that God, that, that God is moving in, in our children. And it's easy, it's easy to get to the point, because I think in, in our life, we live in a society, we live in a time, is this gone too? Wow, we haven't seen it. There it is, Okay. Could you, you guys still heard me, but on the, on, on the, those that are watching online, they're going, why is his mouth moving and no sounds coming out? Many times we let, we are unwilling to let go of the things that are dividing us instead of hanging on to things that really bind us. We, there are God working in our life and there's principles that God is doing and we, and we, instead of, instead of hanging on to that and hanging on to the, the truth and the life that's in. It's easy to, to let go of the very things that we need to hang on to, to let go of what God's trying to do in our life. Jesus had this amazing teaching that we don't talk about, <clears throat> that we just, we just sort of uh, skip over because it's sort of a troubling thing. We're thinking, what? Have you ever read something in the Bible? Have you ever read uh, something you're going, man, that, that's, that, that's crazy. I don't know what to do with this. And we, 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 sort of, we sort of skip over sections that we don't agree with or we sort of skip over sections that we think, I don't understand this or I don't, I don't know what to do with that or this is too convicting. And we, we play what I call biblical hopscotch. You ever play biblical hopscotch? Well, whoa, I didn't as a boy because I was running around doing boy stuff. But I think some of the girls play hopscotch, right? Come on. You did, did you, right? You know, where, where you're supposed to just jump and go to. And that's what we do with the Bible. The only problem is sometimes when we jump from this because we want to skip this and we want to land over here, we get what? Off balance. And we fall over. And I think that's what we find sometimes. But look at, at Luke chapter 12, verse 51. Jesus taught this. He said, do not suppose that I came to give peace on earth. Wait. Isn't he called the Prince of Peace? So now it's like, well, this is confusing. I tell you, not at all, not at all. Rather, I've come to bring division. And you go, I don't like that one. I'm going to skip over this. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that. I don't understand. But you have to understand in the greater context, what is Jesus talking about? Certainly that there will be people that viewed his, who he is as a son of God, and there will be division there. But he, more than importantly, as you get the whole picture of what Jesus is talking about, is he's talking about there is something greater. I have a greater tie. I have a greater bound. Uh, I have a greater connection that I have even for the family. 
Because here's the point. Your family tie, your relationships as a mother to father and your kids, your parents, well, that is not enough. It's not enough in this world. It is not enough. Have you just seen crazy stuff where parents, like, drown their kids? You're going, what? how can they do that? What, where is, where is the, the bind between the parents and the children of the chair and the kids running off and doing crazy things and kids wanting to divorce parents? And just you look at this and you think, wow, what is going on with all of this? And we have lost the tie that holds us together. We have lost that connection that, that keeps us strong to encourage one another. How can we find this? How can we find the strong tie for, that God has for us, that, that binds us no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what's going on? And I just have really a couple of very simple thoughts for you this morning that I believe will help you in the most practical way. And the first is this, the strong tie that binds, the strong tie that binds is found by living in Christ's identity, living in his identity. Understanding who you are, you see, God often uh, in the in the in the Bible redefined people. He says, "You're this." They call you this. I'm like, "We're not going to call you this anymore." And He gave them uh, more than a new name. He gave them a new identity. He's saying, "This is who you were, but you're not going to be that anymore. You're now going to going to be this." He did that with with Peter, right? He he renamed he was Simon, and he renamed him Peter. Simon means like this weed that gets pushed back and forth in the wind. You ever felt that? And then God said, no, Jesus said, no, 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 you're going to be a rock. You're going to be Peter the rock. And it's based on that, that faith. Look, he didn't rename him because he wanted to call him Petey. You think, man, man, that's a real cool name. I'm going to call you Petey. It wasn't just because he wanted a nickname. It wasn't just because he wanted something fun to say. He said, I'm going to call you Petey, and I'm going to call you Bubbles. I don't know. <laughs> like that. You know, it, it wasn't that. He was redefining. Who, they, who Peter was by changing his name so that every time he heard Peter, oh, that's right, I'm a rock. Peter, that's, that's who I am. But long before Peter, God was doing that even in the Old Testament. So we have the patriarch Abraham. Abraham, great man of faith. And, and then Isaac. And then Isaac had Jacob. Now this is important to understand, especially when we're talking about families, because this is the third generation. And every study, every research says that if there is a drifting away, it usually doesn't happen with uh, the, uh, the, the second generation from the first to the second. It usually happens somewhere around the third generation where people say, I don't want that anymore. I don't need to go to church anymore. I don't need to love God. I don't need to live that way. And all of a sudden you start drifting away. The tie that used to bind is something that has been broken and cast aside. But Jacob, <laughs> Jacob was an interesting person his name actually means deceiver you think your family can be dysfunctional come on no one raise your hand or say amen but this was one messed up puppy and his world and family was so dysfunctional I mean he starts out by cheating his brother out of the birthright which is real important he's gonna he's gonna he actually steals it from him and gets his own mom to do it (laughs) and to help in the deceit he has to run off, and he runs off, and he meets some uh, beautiful girl. He wants to marry, like that, and uh, he works seven years. Come on, guys. <laughs> there's, there's some work going on there. He works seven years so he can marry her, but he ends up, the father-in-law-to-be, tricks him at the last minute, 
and says, man, I don't want you to marry my second daughter. I have an older daughter. Gets him drunk on his wedding night so that he doesn't realize he's actually married <laughs> uh, the, wrong, the wrong woman. Okay, how drunk you got to be for that? I don't know. Some of you might have experience with that. We don't want to know right now. There's healing. God's doing it. The point is that this was a dysfunctional family. He ended up marrying the woman he did love, and, and which, okay, if you're the first one, you're thinking, what? how dysfunctional was that family? <laughs> you know, because he says, I didn't want you, I wanted you. And then, okay, now I got you both, but whatever. How, how messed up was all that? The whole, the whole thing was, this is Jacob's life, totally dysfunctional. And then God does something, and then God moves. And in the story, I don't have time to read it all, but in the story, what happens is that Jacob leaves with these two wives and their children and his children, and he runs away with them. Uh, uh, the father-in-law, grandpa, you know, the father is really, really upset, chases after him with all of his men to take him, all the wives back and all the grandchildren back and everything that Jacob had accumulated, which was great wealth during that time, and probably killed Jacob. It, it, it wasn't a good moment. <laughs> so they get there, they finally meet together, and before they do, God intervenes and says, don't you touch Jacob. Don't you come against him because he's my, he's my servant. He's there. So Laban, it, it, they come in, they make peace. Now, here's what's interesting. They make peace. They build this, they build this monument, and then they make these oaths. <laughs> and, and Laban, who is the father-in-law's oath, is, okay, if you, if you don't do exactly what's right, God's going to kill you. <laughs> so, and then Jacob's oath was that, uh, I, think, I think it's in Genesis 31, 53. Read that. It says, so Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of his father, Isaac. So out of fear, out of all these things, he's making this. So this uh, reunification, this peace that was made, it was just barely there. It just, because it, it, it probably more typified who Jacob was. Now, it's important to know that because as he's running away from Laban and he's running away from all of this before he makes peace, he's running to Esau, his brother, who has 400 men and is coming out to kill him, okay? So you got them both ways. Does that feel like your family? <laughs> he's like, oh, my goodness. What's like? And he makes this really weird, not-so-good peace with Laban, but it's, at least it's something. But the peace that he made with Esau was completely different. It was completely different. God didn't even speak to Esau, but because of Jacob's approach, because of what Jacob did and, and how he reached out and how he was humble and how he was repentant from everything that happened before, it's, the Bible says that Esau fell onto Jacob, not to kill him, but wept bitterly. There was such healing. There was such wholeness going, going on. Whoa, 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 whoa. What happened? What was the difference between these two reconciliations? What was the difference between over here, you have uh, Laban, who was just barely there, his own father-in-law, and over here, his brother, who was just amazing. And i tell you what happened. Because right in the middle of all of this, God comes to Jacob and changes his name. God came to Jacob, and they wrestled. And sometimes the changes that are going on that God wants to do in our life is coming from a wrestling that we have. God, I don't want to give in here. God, I don't want to do this. God, I want to do this. And God is wrestling with him because he says, I'm going to change your name. Not just your name. I'm going to change who you are. I'm going to change the way you think. I'm going to change how you behave. I'm going to change all this because only God can do that in our life. And God renamed him. He went from Jacob 
to Israel and renamed him the father of great nations, the father of many. You'll no longer be called, Genesis 32, 28, you'll no longer be called Jacob, but now you will be identified as Israel. <laughs> it, it's amazing. I, I, I grew up, like I said, in a, with a godly mother and father. I'm so appreciative of my godly heritage and the parents. But what sometimes I, I forget and miss is that my father's father was this hmm, very unorthodox preacher. He would travel around and just preach here and preach there, never charge anything. So you know it wasn't God. No, that's not true. The point, come on, one good. Wow. The point, yeah, no, I, I, I can handle them. Because the Holy Spirit's all over you guys. You just don't know it yet. And God can change our hearts. My father, father was a roving preacher. He just... He just loved to preach. He just loved to help. He just loved to pour out. And there's something in that that I think that I inherited. Not only that, but my mother's mother was a praying woman. In fact, she had this Schofield Bible that was given to her on Christmas Day, 1940, 1942. When it was Pearl Harbor, December 7th. Is that 41 or 42? Come on, historians. 42. So he, this is... This Bible was given when everyone, he thought, hey, he thought the world was coming apart. What Christmas in 42 was like? What was that like? Like, oh, my goodness, we've just been attacked, and people are dead, and then they're, they're coming any minute, and all these kind of things. He was give, she was given this Bible, but of all the things when she passed away, that's what she gave me. That's what she gave me. There's a, there's a heritage there. There was a, there's, there's a, something that was passed on. There was a a tie that binds. Now, I don't know what your heritage it was. Maybe you're the first one to ever even say, you know, I'm a Christian. Or maybe maybe, maybe everything else was just tradition and you have a, a real thing. I, I, I don't know if that was it or over the other side. But I'm telling you the tie that binds is God's presence in your life. Changing, healing, doing, moving. Colossians 3.3, 3, I love this, says, for you died, you're dead. You didn't know that, did you? I just want to let you know, you're dead. You're dead. And if, when we get to understand that, because we try to make ties work. We try to make our family work. We try to say, I got to do this, I got to be this, I got to make this happy, I got to do this, all like that. And you got to make everything work. And we try to do all that, and all of a sudden we realize it's just like sand through our fingers. It's not going to work. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's your new identity. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. God has something greater for you than just what you're thinking. God has something greater than this, this, uh, this, this struggling that you have because there's a tie that binds. There's something so much more. We need to take his identity. That's what he's talking about. Take who he is. If we're trying, to, if you're trying to make your family work, Outside of living his identity, <laughs> wow. I mean, there's people with a lot more money than we ever have and a lot more things going for them, and their life's miserable because that's not the tithe that binds. People think money is, man, if I just had enough money, then my family would be great. You wouldn't know your family. <laughs> they would be off somewhere spending all your money. <laughs> or if you, if you just think, if I just had this, if I just had this, and all that, and you know what the tie is that binds? 
It's taking on you, taking on the identity of Christ. You understanding, because it has to begin somewhere. Esau did not know God. Jacob did. And Jacob said, I'm going to change. And because of that, I'm going to get restored into what's going on. I'm going to take on the new identity. You see, the tie, the strong tie that binds is found not only in our identity, in his identity, but it's found in what is called reconciliation, being reconciled. Now, here I'm going to step on a few toes. It's okay. Just move your feet back a little bit, you know. And so when I start running up and down the aisles, I won't step on your feet. As you're thinking, what, what does that mean, reconciliation? Ah, exactly. See, Jesus taught if you have something against anyone, and I'm talking more specifically someone in your family, and maybe you were wronged. Maybe you were really hurt. Maybe it's an extended family. Maybe it's something like that. And you're thinking, I, I, this, is, this is too strong. But the Bible says if you go to God and you have something to get someone else, don't bother. It's the only time. It's the only time in the entire Bible that you find where God says, don't even bother to show up. Don't even bother to say anything. Leave your gift, he actually says, and, and move on. Look at Matthew chapter uh, 23 and 24. If you're offering a gift at the altar, coming before God, God, I just want to give you my heart. God, I just love you. God, I just like you. And you remember someone is upset at you or you are holding a grudge on someone else or something isn't right. Leave your gift right there. Just walk away. Just walk away. Go find that person first. Be reconciled and then come back. So it does say come back. Sometimes people forget that part. Come back. Because when there is friction in our families, when there's friction, and it doesn't mean that everything is perfect. Understand what I'm saying? Listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying that when there is things in our heart that's not right, when there's things that are, that's not going well, then we have to trust God. We have to believe that God can do those things, greater things. You see, it's hard to reconcile when you're right. <laughs> and now that's when you say amen. <laughs> oh, man, I'm right, and they're wrong, and they're stupid, and I was good, and they're, they're crazy, and they're like that. And they hurt me, and they did that. It's wrong. It's so hard to reconcile when you're right. How right was Jesus? And he reconciled us to him by giving us everything. See, the Bible says, husbands, love your wife. But it doesn't say that to the wives. So all the wives are going, woo No. It says, husbands, love your wife. Wives, respect your husband. And the reason is, is because women just love. That's just what they do. That's just, it's, it's, it's much easier for them. Sometimes we got to work on it. Husbands, love your wife. Then there's a little caveat. Love your wife like Christ loved the church. And he died for the church. He gave his soul life. If you are loving your spouse with this sacrificial love, where you, I would put you above everything, I would do that, I give you all, then that respect will just flow back. And I've talked to more People and they say, oh, my wife, she doesn't respect me. She doesn't honor me. She's like that. And I said, oh, so you don't love your wife? Oh, of course I love it. Well, she doesn't know that. I guarantee you she doesn't know that. She doesn't feel that. Why? Because if she felt your love like Christ loved the church, <laughs> there, it'll just, it would be there. 
because out of that respect comes love. And out of our love comes honor and respect. So it goes both ways. And to caring and reaching out. You see, the tie that binds is more than what we just think. It's not a commitment. We made, Lisa and I got married 37 years ago, and I said, 38. Wow, wow. Oh, that's going to cost me. But anyway, 38 years ago, 38 of the most amazing years in my whole life. I can't imagine not being with my life partner. She's the most woman, amazing woman ever. I made up for it yet. No, just kidding. <laughs> I mean that. I, I totally lost. I'm looking at her, and I, I don't know what I'm supposed to say next. It's just the beauty just overcomes me. When, the, when we understand what it really means to reconcile, when we understand what it really means to, to love that way. You see, we live in a world, you understand this because you know our world. We live in a world that doesn't reconcile. They don't want to reconcile. You know what the, the world wants to do is reconstruct, which comes from a, a philosophy that has crept into our world and crept into our life of deconstructionism. And, and really spiritual deconstructionism, then the, the, the view is that we will deconstruct everything because the, the original philosophy of deconstructionism says that uh, nothing is real. It's sort of like living in the matrix. It's not real. It's all man-made constructed. Your family is a, is a man-made construction. Government is a man-made construction. Everything is a man-made construction. And so if I, to really understand why well, I have to deconstruct all of that, and reconstruct it like I want. So instead of reconciling and saying, I'm sorry, or let's, let's be one, let's be connected, what we do is we reconstruct it, deconstruct it so we can reconstruct it in our own image, with our own liking, with the way that we want to do things. You see, <laughs> reconciliation says, it's my fault. I need to take on the identity of Christ. Reconstruction says it's the system's fault. You ever heard that? <laughs> this system is wrong. I need to deconstruct this system and put it like I, I want it. Instead of saying, God, what are you doing in me? See, this isn't new, by the way. Deconstructionism didn't start with some French philosopher in the uh, 1800s. No, 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 no. It started with Satan in the garden with Adam and Eve. Because if you look at their encounter where the enemy came to Adam and Eve and came to Eve, it was faith deconstruction. Because he said, ah, did God really say that? I, I think you might have heard that wrong. <laughs> did God, I don't think God, I don't think God said that. And he started to deconstruct everything that Eve believed. And Eve could have n never fallen if she hadn't first deconstructed all of these things. And Adam was right there with her going, yeah, <laughs> great leader he was. But anyway, it's, it's just like it just went on. To, the Bible says very clearly Eve was deceived, but Adam chose. That's why it starts here. Adam chose. Adam said, yeah, I like that better. All the way to that he deconstructed the very divinity of God said, you can be God. <laughs> Let's reconstruct this so that your God is that not the world that we live in. To reconstruct everything so that it's about us, it's about who we are, instead of understanding our identity is found in Jesus Christ. 
And you say, Greg, how can I change my family? I could, I could tell you right now, right here, you could do it starting this very moment by saying, God, I'm going to live your love. I'm going to live your identity. Because your identity stinks. Your identity fails. Your identity as a husband, your identity as a wife, as a children, as a parent, whatever, is not going to work. It's not enough. It was never enough. And that's what Jesus was saying. There's going to be divisions because I need to bring you to a whole nother level of understanding what does it mean to be committed and connected and loving one another by putting Jesus Christ first. Let me end with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Just puts it in a nice nutshell. You're thinking, okay, what? I need to get my head wrapped around this. If anyone is in Christ... If your identity is Christ, if it's not, you're doing it your own way. My heart just breaks, absolutely breaks. I said, don't live that way. Don't try to be good enough. Don't try to be the perfect husband, the perfect wife, brother, sister, son, daughter, uncle, aunt. Don't, don't do that. It's not enough. Our world teaches us all the time. It's not enough family's breaking because they don't haven't made Christ the identity if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come you got a new name you got a new name that's what it means to give your life to Jesus Christ I have a new name it doesn't mean that I do everything right like Pastor Greg Why is that funny? Why do you laugh there? I don't have to coax you or anything. You're just like that. You're like that. No, Seth, we don't need comments from the back row. Back to God's word. No, no, don't put the scripture back up there. Come on, don't, don't run off. I haven't done with it. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You got a new name. Watch this. God reconciled us to himself. He died on a cross for you. If you don't know that, you need to understand that. He gave his whole life, everything, so that you can be reconciled to God. You cannot find God through religion. You cannot find God even by coming to core church, although that's close. You cannot do that. You cannot. Nothing will do that. It's only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So he says, the old is gone, the new is here. God reconciled us to himself. Through Christ, Jesus did it. It's always about Jesus. That's my favorite saying. Ask him. My favorite saying, it's find Jesus. Find Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is it. You're struggling, Jesus is there. You're upset with your wife, Jesus is the answer. Your husband's being mean to you, Jesus is the answer. Mm. You want to throw something at somebody? Jesus is definitely the answer. God reconciled us to himself through Christ. Here it is. And gave you ministry of reconciliation God did not reconcile you so you could have a big mansion and walk on streets of gold he wanted you so then you take him and go and have the ministry of reconciliation Pastor Greg what's my ministry I need to know what I do I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the Bible says you have the ministry of reconciliation be reconciled with your family <laughs> Because that's where it starts. <laughs> Be reconciled at work. Come on. Now yeah, I'm just going off the rails. I know. Be reconciled with even go the government God has with us right now. 
Now I'm not just now I've just gone crazy. I just better stop. Right, what I'm just saying is, trust God. Be reconciled. Pray. Bible says pray. Pray for your spouse. Pray for your family. Pray for your church. And most certainly pray for your pastor. <laughs> then even pray for the president. But the point is that we are to be reconciled. You have the ministry of reconciliation. It is within you. How can I do anything? Because Christ is in you, and Christ has reconciled all things to himself, those that trust him and believe in him. And as we are reconciled to him, then we now have the ministry of reconciliation. You can make a difference today in your family's life. You can do that by just saying, God, give me a new name. Give me a new heart. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I love you so much, and I love you, Father, and I love you and these people. Everyone watching online, everyone here, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that, God, you would stir our hearts. And, God, if there's anyone, if there's a single person that's sitting here and saying, I haven't given my life to Jesus. I am not reconciled with Christ. God, you've made the way. You've paid the price. You've opened the door. And all we have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. And God, I pray right now with every single person in this room, with every single person watching online, that we would pray that prayer and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Renew me. Strengthen me. Change me. Give me a new name. And God, with that love and that mercy and that grace in us, we will become those that reconcile others to you, to one another, in all that we do. Father, I pray for that. And God, everyone that prayed that prayer, I pray right now you would seal it by your presence and by your Holy Spirit. Confirm it in their hearts. Stir their faith to believe. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. God is good, isn't he? So good. So good.